Have you ever wondered if there was money to be made in the commercial and residential properties? How are they different from residential properties? Also, did you know that there isn't any cooling measures in a commercial space? Which makes me wonder, why does no one really discuss about this interesting class of properties in Singapore? Is it because commercial and industrial properties are harder to understand? Or is it because residential properties have higher yields? Are you curious to find out more about these questions just like me? Hey guys, we hope you're loving our weekly newsletter so far and in our continued effort to improve and create better products for you guys, we are collaborating with Books Beyond Borders, which is a second-hand online bookstore that sells donated books to fund social causes they believe in. We love it and we want to be part of that. Every week, you will see a book recommendation by them on our newsletter and these books are on a first-come, first-served basis. Usually, there's only one or two copies yeah, donated once. So if you want to be the first to know what new interesting books they have, head over to thefinancialcoconut.com to sign up for a weekly newsletter now. Welcome back to another day on Coconut Avenue. Join us as we explore various property insights, investment strategies, and challenging property myths out there today. We'll be bringing on investors and experts in the game to share with us their insights and stories to better prepare us for our journey. Whether you're looking at your first property or building a bucket of gold through properties, there's something for you here. Ultimately, it's about helping you find your unique game plan. In this episode, we want to venture outside private properties a little. Why? Because we have been talking about HDB and private properties for the first two episodes. Now, let's switch things up. Maybe we can discover some secrets that only the insiders know. Maureen is here with the Chief Financial Coconut, Reggie, and I today to carry on where she left off last week. Ready to learn more about industrial and commercial properties? Let's go! So Maureen, we were talking about HDB and private condos in the first two episodes, but what if, you know, let's say I don't want to get married or I'm not eligible to buy a condo, then what are the other options that normally, you know, the mainstream doesn't talk about? I can invest on. Yeah, so just now when I was uh, talking about this uh, whole HDB thing, right, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking, oh gosh, what if someone don't want to get married? Then HDB is obviously not an option. And I think that the government was very clever to create this policy to encourage, obviously, marriage and birth rate. But with that... Um, Obviously, condo itself is the only avenue for residential because then you would have to save up all the money and get into the place. But let's say you want to work with property as your way to accumulate the equity before you enter into a property sector. Is that a possibility? Yes, it is. So there are two sub-segments inside. Um, or there are actually further sub-segment in, inside these two other sub-segments. But there are two uh, possibilities, which is um, uh, commercial property. And industrial property is also part of the commercial property segment, right? Um, but within commercial, you have shop houses, you've got various other avenues. Now, the thing is this, for the general people out there, Commercial property is always seen as more complicated. Yeah, we don't and hear about why? that. Why? Correct. Why is it seen more complicated? So, so the thing is this, is from the perception that, it, it's quite interesting. Uh, before I touch on that, you can actually enter industrial property, not necessarily commercial, but industrial property with lower deposit requirement. 
because you can actually have uh, various strategy to your borrowing capacity uh, or your LTV can be much uh, lower or higher, whichever you look at it, which means that you need to come up with less deposit to get a place, um, an industrial place versus a residential, which is very much controlled by the government, right? You can leverage more. Correct. So that means that then you can enter the market earlier, right, with less saving. However... Um, in saying that, why is there a perception? It's purely because of this. And this doesn't just apply in Singapore, but it's also applied to the world worldwide. It's because uh, residential property is seen as much more easier to understand for normal mom and pop than commercial property. Why? It's because of where the demand comes from. So residential property normally gets tenant who wants to live inside, right? So most people can relate to that. So if I own a place, I just lease it to someone who wants to live in it, and it's very easy, understandable. And even within the bank system, they would feel that residential property is much more predictable, uh, predictable, and also much more conservative, and also a much better uh, or safer asset versus a commercial property. And why is that? So this comes back to the demand factor. So let's say if I own a residential property and in order to get it cash flow positive, I need to lease it out, right? So in a normal scenario, let's say even if, if the market is flooded with residential property but not so much demand, you only need to do one thing. Reduce the price. Yes. <laughs> so, so that's all you need to do. You, oh. you just like the, your neighbour is uh, leasing it at 2000 you just need to lease it out at lower but with that lower price let's say it's 1817 you still can cover your mortgage with very minimal top up right let's say if your mortgage is let's say 2000 you can just make up the difference of 300 yes. which is not a major difference oh, so, I, I never saw it from that angle correct so that's why it's <laughs> safer. And, and let's say if I'm a, a tenant, I come here, of course I'm going to lease a 1,007 versus 2,000. Yeah, right? In the same condo, right? Yeah, is correct, <laughs> correct. So it level makes five, sense. Level 5, level 6. It's okay, it doesn't yeah, matter. correct. It's $300 yeah. difference. is a huge lot of difference. But commercial property is different. Commercial property by default is created to lease out for the usage of their purpose of business, right? So when the economy is not doing well, no matter how much you drop your rental, they don't need the place, they don't need the place. So it's cyclical. And then this trend, you can't really predict that trend. Mm, and also then it's harder to create a demand just by dropping the price. Yeah. It's, it's not like that. Like right now, I have a very good friend of mine who is also a student of mine whose parents bought a retail, which is a, a, an asset class, which I totally hate, a retail... Strata retail inside a B1 industrial space. Okay. It can be also strata retail inside a commercial space. I don't care. Anything strata retail, which means that it's not controlled by the same group, is strata retail, right? Strata retail doesn't work. Okay, Just full so, stop. So what is a strata and what is a retail strata? Okay. Help me understand. Retail strata be, being that uh, normally, let's say if we go to a mall, right? Uh, give me a name of a mall. Beauty oh. World. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a bad one. Iron Orchard. Iron Orchard. Okay, Iron Orchard. Major <laughs> that's a bad one. I love Beauty World. Yeah. Okay, but okay, no, Iron no. Orchard. The reason is because I think Beauty World is actually strata itself as well. Really? Like uh, Golden Mouse, I think, but I believe it is, okay. right? Far East at Scots mm. is strata. Strata. Right. Okay. So okay. it's strata commercial. Yeah. But uh, talking about uh, Ion, uh, what? Ion, 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 right? Ion. It's all controlled by one 
uh, commercial landlord. So he has control over, okay, I'm just going to have two coffee, coffee shop at this level. I'm going to have, you know, and he will actually manage the common area to make sure that it's clean, it's done well. And also his job is also to bring the traffic inside the mall versus if I sell a strata retail, I strata it to you guys, it's not my problem. And if let's say 10 of the owner decided to have a coffee shop person running the place, you've got 10 coffee shops, the customer is only so many. So you often end up like the operator goes out of business and then the things goes empty and there is no common way to manage this, right? So it's, it's a horrible um, predicament. And right now, this compounding with the effect that retail in general is not doing well, mm. it's just not helping. So if you buy a strata retail, based on what you say, essentially it is within a building and then the person chop up the space, right? It's not owned by... Correct. The whole building is not owned by one guy, not right. like Far East or Capital Land, or not one of the REITs. So you chop it up, everybody owns a small part Correct. of it, right? And that's why that's the challenge because everybody's competing with each other in that Correct. sense. Correct. So then... You said specifically about retail, right? Is there like a change of use potential or uh, gen- it's like retail must be retail? Like right. That? Generally in a, in a building for a developer to get the maximum uh, return, right? They may keep the upper floor as offices. They might still structure it, but it's for offices. And then the lower ground, they'll structure it as a retail, right? So that's what I mean. Those strata retail. Strata retail in Singapore is doing horribly because... Mm. Um, Generally, the overall landlord of the building, who after they strata and sell to everybody, they have very little incentive to bring in traffic. Exactly. You know, because yes. it's already sold to you, it's Reggie. It's none of their business anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's already sold to you, Troy. Thank you very much. I've got my profit. I just need to manage the cleanliness of the place, but I've got no vested interest in you getting higher rentals. Is that why some malls just have nobody? Yeah, especially when it's not uh, yeah, centrally it's like managed. They, yeah, they have no interest to bring in traffic, right? So then those malls just so live, they just stay there. Correct. And and also, let's say, like, for example, um, Far East at Scotts, right? After they strata, they sell. I mean, Far East Scotts, although it's got a lot of food traffic, as we all know. But then it comes the time of, let's say, uh, touch-up refurbishment because the whole place is many years and it's a bit run down. So I got to get all the owner to agree with me before I can do anything versus if I own the entire place, I'm just going to give it a facelift. Right? Same problem with unblocking, right? It's the same idea, right? If, you, right. if multiple owners, which is the idea of a strata, multiple right. owners owning one thing, right. then you have to get everybody's consent. Correct. Right? In this case, it's, on practical terms, it's actually very difficult. Correct. So this friend of mine, they bought the place for like um, uh, close to, in fact, $1 million plus can't find tenants for the place and then now to resell they have to sell at the discount because commercial property the rule of thumb is that it's only as valuable as the rental it can fetch but however why a lot of sophisticated um, investor and also owner like to invest in commercial versus residential over time as they get more skills and whatsoever is purely because commercial can fetch higher rental Mm. So you find a developer, let's say they develop a, a plot of land, right? They'll sell all the residential, you know, they, they structure, they sell all the residential to you guys, but they'll always keep the malls because that's when they get highest return um, in terms of rental yield, mm. right? So, so, that's so what, is the, what is the gauge, you know, for someone that's trying to get rental out of this kind of retail property? 
uh, right now, mm. if it's strata retail, you're looking at one percent even. How is that good? Like, yeah, so it's no good. But uh, if you're but if you're a, a a landlord, let's say an ion is different because you're looking mm. at the whole asset as a total. because yeah. um, there's uh, maybe a hotel attached to it or various other things. So valuation is quite different. And that is when you buy REITs, right? You enter. That Correct. kind of property through the REITs Correct. too. Correct. And that's why, like, for example, I run a type of business, right? And I want to gain visibility in retail. I have to lease it from you, the mall owner, so that I can put my store there and whatsoever. And so, you know, it's, it's no secret that Singapore's mall, the prices and the rental is horrendous. Um, yeah, so some, some FMB operator, like even in Ang Mokyo Hub, right, owning a very small kiosk, they can pay forty fifty thousand dollars in rent rental. And that's quite common per a month. Month? Mm. Ang Mokyo Hub? Harlem Mos are just have really? more, more and more people over there these yes. days. Yes. And it's only a kiosk. You th- well, in, to me, it's only a kiosk. I'm thinking, wow, so small. But that's exactly the type of rental that people are charging. My goodness. That's yeah. So, so with that rental over the uh, space, you can imagine why it's quite good if you know how to manage your mall, mm, you can drive mm, the traffic mm, in mm. there. But it's a skill. And, you know, so, so commercial um, investment becomes a skill set to create a demand for your product. Whereas residential is very easy. Oh, well, you know, to get it leased, I just drop my price, I get somebody else. Whereas commercial, it's like a place of business for someone. You need to apply some skill to create that attractiveness around your property so to attract rental and yes you can get high rental if you're good at it for example just give another example you know some uh, food court some fmb rental can go from 12 dollars upward to even 30 dollars psf per psf so that's versus for example versus like uh, B1 industrial where you're getting $2.30. Yeah, but industrial is the cheapest amongst all of them, right? Uh, industrial, uh, like lately, obviously, everybody know there's in the marketplace, there's been a lot of promotion on uh, <laughs> rental yield for, for B1, right? And what they're hedging on is the fact that those B1 are already quite aged, so they have like 30 years left to their leasehold. Again, we talked about Bala before, the same factor also apply for B1 as long as it's leasehold. So they enter at very low price because there's only 30 years leasehold left, right? But when you are a tenant, when you're leasing, let's say, a B1, you don't really care if it's a freehold or a leasehold, right? You just want that place for um, your place of business. For B1, the leasehold prices and the freehold, there is a huge gap. So if I buy cheap as a leasehold or I'm left with 30 years, you're also paying me $2.30 versus another freehold guy that might be buying at $1,000 per PSF versus my $300 for a 30 years leasehold. Of course, versus rental UYS, I'm going to get much higher. So my rental yield could be like upward from 6 to 9% at time. Oh, that, that's interesting. Yes, that's interesting <clears throat> if assuming... You have the skill to you figure ha- it out. You can get it leased out.
Hey guys, so yes, I get it. Everyone wants to learn to invest and somehow believe they can be a Warren Buffett. Truth is that will probably never happen. But if we just want to become slightly better investor, making consistent 5-10% to returns, then Dividend Machine may be something to consider. Dividend Machine is a program by the fifth person our selected course partner which focuses on helping you pick dividend-paying stocks to grow a consistent investment income or some call passive income. On top of that, with us around, you can come back and discuss and ideate with our community. So yes, for more details, check out the financialcoconut.com slash dividend. Everything is in the link below. So we, we were kind of switching between commercial and industrial, right? So right. let's let's get the commercial right. thing out first. So right. commercial property, we talk about the malls, right. right? If it's a strata mall or if it's a whole mall, too bad, you cannot buy it. <laughs> you can buy REITs, okay? You still can get some exposure, Far East, blah, blah, blah. And then what about, are there other kind of commercial properties? Like um, shop houses? I love shop houses. Mm. Everybody in the marketplace knows that I love shop houses purely because shop houses has the greatest flexibility in usage, right? Really? Um, yeah, and it also tends to hold its value very, very well. Um, but then if we move on to, let's say, office, strata office, um, again, it's very uh, economy-driven. Mm. Right, mm. Um, uh, like right now during COVID season, you find that CBD um, a lot of the offices are empty, empty. Um, purely pe- because people downsize or they move to fringe area where the rental is cheaper or um, they close down. Normally, um, office building tend to reflect the economy. So when the economy is doing well, it's empty. And no matter what you do, especially in strata environment, where you can only control your own place right it's not like you can control the building so that means that you just have to find ways to attract tenant mm. um cheaper rent might be okay potentially but it's just not a good way to go mm. yeah now that you put it so vividly right i actually can really tell which building is centralized managed and which is a strata <laughs> it's like yeah this are uh, complete strata one right it's like people don't really care the walkway looks so old and you know it's like Different people kind of doing their own thing. Correct. You know, there's no centralized management Correct. kind of, kind of Correct. thing. Yeah, right. generally I avoid strata mm. um, retail, of course, my most hated uh, segment. And then the Why? other one Why is, is it the most hated one? purely because strata retail just doesn't work. Mm. Yeah, it's expensive. You cannot get the rental that you want and you have got very control over tenancy. It just doesn't work. Whereas strata office, um, there are still ways to make it work. Um, uh, in terms of rental, you'll, this is my experience. But um, even strata office, there's limit because strata office you can only use it as an office. You can't use it for anything else. Whereas within a shop house, let's say, yeah. we all know if upstairs I can lease it in an office, I can still apply to URA to convert it for residential usage and lease it out as a residential. There's so many plays, but office is just office. And then when there's so many offices, let's say, around the same area, you're competing on price then. And I don't like that. Yeah. So across the board, what I'm hearing is in the commercial space, there's the strata retail, there's a strata office, and then there's the shop house. Generally, these are the three breakdowns, right? And strata retail, because it's so difficult to manage the whole mall's traffic, you know, and it's just too competitive as a space. So rental use is crazy, so you're out, right? Strata offices are very reflective of the economy, and given the current economy situation, it's um, not, a, not a great place to be. Lah, right? So in your experience, shop houses has the flexibility. 
of to do of, what you want. Yeah, right? the change of use, okay, the conversion, okay. so and how, all that. Um, and also, uh, B one is also classified as uh, commercial as well. Okay. So that's another um, element to it. But obviously, B one uh, traditionally it was used for like industrial usage, yes. and then there's also B two, mm. which is for heavy industrial. And then there is another class of industrial that is doing very well is um, industrial lease up for people for food preparation. Oh. Yeah, now because of oh, all the, you know, the delivery yeah, stuff, right? Yeah, it's doing exceptionally well. Okay. So Ghost Kitchen, especially if they are built like co-working type infrastructure, right? But mm. in a Ghost Kitchen format, they can lease up to $25, $35 per PSF. Really? Correct. But but those that you lease like six months and then you, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So you go in, the kitchen is already there. You just prep and cook and get your delivery business happening. So that's another avenue. But generally, industrial that is leased out for food production is doing quite well. But is that cyclical or is that constantly always so well? It's uh, You see, as an investor, we take a forward position into the future, right? Then it's whether you think that this delivery, food delivery, is going to be something that face out or it will always be like that going yeah. forward. Um, this whole thing was further enhanced by the fact that uh, with the circuit breaker, everyone was ordering food, exactly. right? So, But then it's the fact that do you foresee that this behaviour will change over time or will it be a case that, oh yeah, I think food delivery will be here to stay okay so you just have to take a forward position on that i mean people still are social creature especially in singapore where houses are traditionally quite small people do like to go to restaurants to socialize and talk right but in saying that as we progress in our lifestyle people are busy food ordering is becoming a norm like people mm. just order food you know yeah. all the time people have beautiful kitchens but they don't use it mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a showroom plug and play you know mm-hmm. put it at home and then oh, see, see, yeah. oh my yeah. guests come and yeah, see this beautiful yeah. kitchen yes. then, then now the stove's never on yes so based on what you just shared with us right essentially there is a very clear difference between like residential yes and commercial industrial yes right? the kind of capacity to understand the space, understand the economy, understand the use. It sounds like many tiers above. Yeah. Right? Re- residential is good for passive uh, property investor. Mm. So they buy it and then they want to lease it out. They don't want to have to worry about it. It's good for people who wanted to build property portfolio. It's, it's always the way that traditionally people go first, right? Because it's easier to understand. I just need to drop the price or whatever and then I get the place leased out. I just accumulate the equity over time and that's that, right? Um, so that's residential space. But commercial space, when you play in the commercial space, you are operating the property like a business and that's where people... Um, don't grasp it. And so if a mom and pop was to come into a commercial space, especially when they don't have an understanding that that's a place or that's a product that you're trying to create, so it's a, it's a form of business, basically, then you stand to be quite at risk because um, you end up buying something at very high price and no matter what you do, it remains untenanted. So once cash flow becomes an issue for any property investment, every month you've got to cough up that 
extra cash flow to service the loan, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, correct. <laughs> Whereas residential, very easy. I just put down the price, someone mm. will rent it, and then I just have to fill the gap between the loan and the money. And then plus Singapore, you remember, you have the CPF top up as well, mm. right? So it kind of masks the reality that correct. you're actually leeching money out, right? Correct. You're cash flow negative, but okay, like, you don't feel the pain because it's not coming from a wallet. Correct, right? correct. But at least you're surviving, right? You're mm. going from month mm. to month. Whereas commercial, there's no CPF top up, man. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. Okay, and, and I know that you actually do spend a lot of time in this commercial space, right? And Love you've it. helped a lot of people to kind of sort out their shit, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> right? You They couldn't lease out the commercial space and right. they hire you to come in to then right. do your magic, right? So what right. are some of these, you know, big problems that these guys face right. prior to, okay. you know? I mean, it can range from one industrial uh, strata place through to a major building like a shop house or commercial um, building that they own. But the issue or the fundamental issue remain the same, which means that they don't get that this is a place of business, so they need to market and package this as something that is attractive for people to want to place their business in. Um, so no matter where, whether we're dealing with a strata, industrial strata office through to a building. So my job, I think, where um, our company was very strong is actually matching the two. We, we, we look at a place and we ask ourselves, given what we have to work with, how can we create a demand of this place? And then from there, the rental happens. And once the rental happens, the whole place works. Simple. Mm. And also because the rental tends to be way higher Correct. Com compared to Correct. what you get from residential, right? Correct. Correct. And it has to be that way. Mm. So so mm. right now, for example, residential, um, majority of the residential, I would say, uh, that people buy post-21-3 is trading negative, right? It's just that because you've got CPF top up, is fine. But commercial, um, uh, right now, some of the commercial uh, places commonly quoted in the marketplace, the gross rental yield is sitting at about 3%. Mm. And it doesn't take a, like a rocket science to work out like, 3% gross rental yield, you're either at break-even or negative in terms of cash flow every month, confirm. Because your loan is already like, let's say you're very good, you get 1.68 or whatever, but it can go up to 2% and plus all your other costs of running that place uh, or that uh, commercial space is definitely minimally break-even if not making a loss, right? So then from that perspective, and this is commercial space, we're not talking about B1 buying leasehold and then leasing out because B1 uh, leasehold generally sell at a much lower price. So anything that is leasehold, right, that's got very few years left, they sell at a good price. And so the pitch for people is always the yield. So in fact, traditionally, there has always been a play between yield and equity. For example, in city area, I buy something very expensive. There is a lot of equity upside, but the yield is generally less. Then if I buy at a very far away place, even though it's cheaper, the equity upside might be less, but the rental yield is very high. So it's two. So same things generally. Uh, generally. So um, within industrial space, it's the same. So B1 with very uh, 30 years left, you can buy it cheap. The rental yield is good because the capital upside potential is very minimal. Right? Mm. So you just need to be aware of that. Okay. But commercial space, let's say commercial shop house, generally trade at about 3% because the equity upside generally 
in Singapore, meaning you don't go and buy something very funny, like, woo, woo, you know, nobody wants that. <laughs> um, they are quite good. And so generally it's about 3%. That's the commonly quoted rate. And But you know that you're not going to make money out of your rental yield. It's the equity upside. But we're not happy with that as investor. Um, because rental not only service the loan and make sure that you're above board and give you some cash flow, but it's also reflected in the um, cap rate, what we call cap rate, which means that if I have an asset that is giving me income, when I sell this commercial property, it's going to be worth a lot more to the next buyer, so they'll pay higher price, right? So it translates into equity increase. Mm, okay, okay, yeah. I but get it. But this doesn't happen in residential as much because residential in Singapore is quite efficient. Mm. You know, you look at your neighbours, stack what, you know, selling at what, so you'll be selling at that price yeah. because the rental is about there, right? I get it. So is it, let me just kind of understand it, okay? So is it like, if let's say I buy a Strata retail and my Strata retail has McDonald's in it. Yes. Right? And McDonald's will never shift out. Yes. Right? For like a better way to put it. Yes. Right? So when I sell this you know, strata retail to the next person, yes. I can definitely say it higher just because McDonald's is using my place. Correct. Ah. And why? Because they, uh, first, they will assume and normally quite correctly that McDonald will pay higher rental, right? Mm, mm, and mm. that also McDonald will be, there will be quite an assurance that once McDonald um, do an analysis, they decided to come in, it's going to be fairly long term. Mm, and mm. so that is a kind of guaranteed income, right? Cash flow. Mm. And that cash flow then translates to a greater uh, equity upside for commercial property. Uh, and so okay. that's why commercial property is often played by the... Um, Season guys. Yeah, because <laughs> then you can get the yes, increment. Yes. So same. So let's say my friend under the B1 uh, Strata Retail suddenly gets Sang Siong inside there. Mm, same thing. Okay, yeah, <laughs> And the thing is that, mind you, let's say your Strata shop is next to my friend. He's got Sang Siong. You don't. You mm. got some, I don't know who, right? Print, center. Yeah, or, or printing <laughs> shop, right? Uh, uh, Whatever. Uh. Or price that you can fetch in the marketplace, even though we're right next to each other, mm. is going to be much less than mine. Really? It's not going to like... No. I'm not going to get influenced by saying show? No. 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 Okay, no. okay. No. I mean, because I'm the one getting the rental. Or maybe there is some food traffic. Maybe I, I correct that. Because you know all the shops that is around Mustafa, mm. their rental is a lot higher. And their selling price is a lot higher because of Mustafa. Just because next to Mustafa. Mustafa brings in the crowd, right? Correct, correct, oh. correct, correct. But I'm just saying, like, let's say we were to sell, yeah, even yeah. though you say, hey, but I'm the same as her. Not really. It's mm. determined by the tenancy as well. Okay, okay. interesting. Mm. Wow. That, that's... Ooh. Yes, the mind boggles. Yeah, and so, it's like, whoa. This <laughs> so, is... so that's why traditionally, um, ABL, the company, has always been hired by landlord to say, hey, I've got this building, I can buy, I'm rich enough, I can, you know, do stuff to it, but what do we do with it? How do we create the rental revenue to make the valuation higher? And that's where we specialize in doing our magic and making that happen. And if you, if people have uh, traditionally bought REITs, they would have come across this term called Asset Enhancement Initiative, which is AEI for short, right? And that's exactly what the big boys do. So they buy a run-down mall, let's say uh, Boogies, like for example. They, um, uh, not Boogies now, but before. Um, then they buy undervalue, hopefully, and then they would enhance it through two means, functional 
or aesthetic. Aesthetic is very clear. After they went through it, the whole place looked fresh, looks new, looks modern. You want to go there, right? The other thing is that they also changed the functional usage, meaning inside, instead of all retail, maybe they perceive that there's a great demand for service apartment. They'll carve out a certain space for service apartment and then blah, blah, blah. They'll enhance the, the yield of that place or increase the efficiency. So that space, it used to be like that, but I now make it more usable. Then I, well, the whole thing is driving towards increasing the yield. Then that gets reflected in the valuation. Sounds really more cheap, a lot more cheap than a residential property. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so it's, it's, a, it's a business. Yes, yeah, it it's is a business. business. And there are so many elements. I think we can go on and on. But there's one, one question mm. I want to ask. It's like, you know, through this discussion, you know, like the last two episodes, we keep talking about capital gains, equity, capital gains, equity. But when we're talking about commercial, it's like yield and yield and yield. It's always about rental yield, right? Does that mean that I can conveniently not care about, you know, equity upside? Like, no, no. You know, um, uh, it's the same thing. It's just that in commercial property, um, the valuation of the commercial property is much more sensitive uh, with the rental yield. That means I can get more uh, uh, higher valuation of my commercial mm. property if the yield is great. Uh, Whereas a residential property, um, in fact, we tested with one of my friend's unit before. I increased his uh, rental yield uh, for re residential. We did some co-living because he, um, he owns the place. We increased the rental yield to, I think, 5% or 7%. One of the number, cannot remember. So it was quite good. But the impact on the valuation is minuscule. Mm. Like It's good that he has the rental. But in Australia, for example, the rental yield does impact the valuation of residential in Australia mm -hmm. because first it's landed property and then it's also seen as a form of business inside residential. People are willing to pay for it, mm -hmm. whereas in Singapore, not really. Ah, yeah. So, okay, okay. so, 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 but commercial property, which is why we like to own um, shop houses, we can have different usage and then I can increase the valuation and then I can sell it at a higher price. Ah, okay, I'm, I'm seeing it. So essentially, you see commercial industrial property like a business. You go and you engineer a business out of this thing. The higher the yield you can squeeze out of this space, it will reflect in your property's you know, ultimate selling price, the valuation. Correct. Now, the valuation increment is much more obvious in non-strata commercial. So that means that let's say B1, even if I increase the valuation, the proportional increase in the price is um, not as much as if this increment was to happen in a landed shop house, for example, where I actually own the land, not just a strata unit inside. Uh, okay. So uh, are, there, are there some things that people can do to, you know, enhance their industrial property, let's say? Uh, I know okay. this is super case by case, depending on where you yeah, are, who yeah. is your target audience, a lot. But are there some underlying principles? Um, the general uh, strategy that is being employed by a lot of people these days is obviously leasing out the place in smaller parcel. So the old principle, whether it's residential or commercial, is the same. If you carve up a smaller place, you, you lease out to people, people will have to pay a higher per PSF for that smaller space, right? Versus a larger space. So generally in industrial B1 these days, people will just carve it out into smaller parcel, uh, make it look nice. 
because remember, AI is about aesthetic and functional, right? So aesthetic, make it look nicer, functional, cuff it up smaller, make the PSF worth more, then try to lease it out. But then uh, there are other things that one may be able to do, but then I think if I say it, your audience will either fall asleep or <laughs> the mind will boggle it's because it's like, wow. Yeah. It's very technical. Yeah, very technical. correct. Okay, okay. Yeah. I, I get it. Yeah. Mm. So I think uh, B1 still highly regulated. It's, all of Singapore's property are highly regulated. So there are certain guidelines and things which is beyond the scope. Yeah. Okay, okay. That's yeah. cool, man. Like if, if people want to learn about these things, we can discuss another time and cool. you know, we can we can oh there's so much to learn. My God. Okay, cool. Yeah. That that's all for me. Any other questions for you guys? Now we finally know why the mainstream people just look at residential property instead of industrial and commercial property. Yeah. yeah. And and mind you, uh, the bank's assessment of things are always very indicative because they've got a huge team of research of and course. various uh, you know things mm, right mm, mm. so when you come to them with a residential property and i'm talking worldwide right uh if it falls within like the norm where mass market would want it so no like no especially small uh, apartment that a developer has just decided to carve up so to sell it to you um but if it's n what the normal population would buy bank generally likes that because they're seen as quite stable right residential property like, i just need to put tenant in then the cash flow start had to happen and it's good right versus commercial which is seen as high risk so they like commercial property bank if it has got very strong um, revenue rental mm -hmm. if you can tell uh, the bank that hey this one has very strong rental or it's got it's being rented to a very reputable company they loved it Okay. Especially for a long period of time. Okay, so all you guys need to go and find your McDonald's franchise. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank, thanks for sharing. Um, I think we've, we've learned a lot. It's good enough for today. Uh, so much more coming, right? Next year episode, we're going to talk about what to buy, what's the price, you know, when to sell it, what's the ultimate plan, and so many things coming up. So we'll see you guys again. Bye! Bye. Hey! Thanks for taking time to tune in today. I hope you have learned a little bit more about property investing today. If you feel like you have benefited from this podcast, do share this with your loved ones and also do follow us on all our socials and join our community telegram group and tell us what you are interested to know about next. Everything is in the description below. Have a great day ahead guys and always remember, when we are better prepared, the next opportunity is just around the corner. See you next week. That wraps up another episode of The Coconut Avenue. We hope you took something away from this discussion. It was really heavy for me. My brain was like running at full speed, trying to digest what is being discussed. I had to hear it the second time to better understand it because they were all very foreign to me. So after listening to this episode for the second time, my takeaway is that industrial and commercial properties are managed like an active business, while residential properties are managed more passively. There are so many reasons why retail investors generally avoid industrial and commercial properties. Okay, even though you might potentially get a higher yield in industrial and commercial properties, but it requires a lot of homework in choosing the right unit in the right location. And also, you really need to have the skills to create demand for the unit, like what Maureen has said, it's not just about reducing your rental price because there are macro factors like economic factors involved in this as well. 
So if you want to play with the big players, the big boys in the market, you got to up your game. So for me, if I ever invest in properties in the future, I know I will just stick to residential properties. Less headache lah. What about you? Let me know how you think. What questions do you have after listening to this episode? And what are the things you want to know more about? Let us know in our Telegram group. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you have a great day, a great week ahead. Take care and I'll see you next week.